Welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table, where we talk about the business of real life. If you're a working mom or a mompreneur, this is where you want to be. This is where we share tips right off Elaine's Kitchen Table about business and parenting. Being a mom of three and wearing multiple hats, from CEO of the award-winning company Easy Daisies Limited to speaker and educator, Elaine knows how valuable your time is, so this podcast is going to be short and sweet. Whether you're tuning in while driving to a meeting, washing dishes, or sitting in the school parking lot waiting to pick up the kids, you're going to learn the tips and secrets of successful and incredible people. Elaine wants you to be inspired, challenged, and motivated to be that successful person you're capable of being and that person you want your kids to grow up to be. This is Real Talk for Real Life. Hi, welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table. I'm so honored to have you here with us where we talk about the business of real life. Our guest today is a, a remarkable woman, and I first discovered my guest by watching her TED Talk on YouTube. And after wiping away the tears, I knew I had to meet this woman, and I actually had the honor of actually listening to her speak um, at an event recently, and we were actually sitting at the same table. My guest today is a global CEO coach a leadership speaker, a writer, a wife, mother of two boys. And she works in over 26 countries, coaching C-level executives in Fortune 500 corporations, government, nonprofits, and academia organizations. She has spent over 14 years at Microsoft. We know that company, right? Microsoft. Working from software development to HR, where she led the company's management, executive development, and succession planning efforts. Today, in addition to running her own business, she is a regular contributor to Forbes, Inc. and Harvard Business Review, and her articles also appear on Fast Company. I am so honored to have with us today Sabina Nawaz, and I want to say welcome. Welcome, Sabina. How are you today? Awesome. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I was just thinking as I was... uh, looking at your amazing accolades here, I'm like, I should just interview you about what it's like to do a TEDx talk. <laughs> maybe I'll, we'll have to do that another time in your, spare, in your spare moments. <laughs> I don't know where you have spare moments. But I, I, I do want to know. I want to know, how is it? How is it that you uh, decided to start your own business from working at Microsoft for 14 years what was that switch that made you want to just say, hey, I'm, I'm going to do my own thing? It's because, Elaine, I wanted to work in PJs and bunny slippers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Actually, leaving Microsoft was one of the hardest decisions in my career. I, I had a great job, and I would have done that job for free. I had many offers from the company to continue to stay. It was the only place I'd worked. I also had the luxury of a husband who had chosen to stay home and take care of our kids. And yet I left. I left when I had a two-year-old and was seven months pregnant with my second son. The main reason I left was to have greater autonomy over my time. For example, if I wanted to drop my children off to school in the mornings, I only have to negotiate with myself now. As for starting my own business, I've always had an entrepreneurial streak from fifth grade when I sold more items for my aunt than anyone else at an expo. And now I love what I do. And I started this business to help leaders across the globe. If I can help one leader who then helps her entire organization, 
the impact of the work becomes exponential. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, I, I love that you uh, see it as something much bigger than helping that one person. That's incredible. And I love that you started selling things when you were in grade five. (laughs) (laughs) That might be a whole separate podcast right there. (laughs) But what I I also like that you said is you didn't leave a job that you didn't like. You you liked it so much that you would have worked at Microsoft for free. And that's incredible. And I think that's something as a, a woman entrepreneur, we need to remember in our own business to love what we do, but not to work for free. And that is a, a challenge that women entrepreneurs do have. And speaking of challenges, many, many people will look at Sabina and think, oh, what this incredible, beautiful, successful woman. She's so lucky. And that uh, probably drives you crazy when people think you're just lucky. And they forget that, you know, uh, uh, an overnight success sometimes takes 10 years or 20 years. But is there a challenge that you face, a, a, an error, a mistake that you encountered in your journey as an entrepreneur that spoke volumes to you, that you learned from, and that you could share with us? Well, Elaine, I am lucky. I'm lucky by privilege of the parents I was born to who supported my education and sponsored me to come to the U.S. and continue my education from growing up in India. So luck does have a lot to do with it. and. Here's a mistake I made. I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. I hate asking for money. <laughs> and when I first started my business, I was really anxious whenever I had to provide a proposal. One time, a prospective client and I were on the phone discussing deliverables and fees for a workshop that she wanted me to run. Finally, I mentioned the fee. And then there's this long silence on the line. This made the anxious voices in my head even noisier. I thought, oh no, I must have asked for too much. Then my client spoke and said, that's all? Hmm. Frankly speaking, I thought you were going to ask for three times as much and I'd lined up my colleague to help offset costs through his budget. Wow. This taught me a really valuable lesson. And that lesson is that my clients valued my work more than I valued my own time. Hmm. So how do I think about my time? You might think that was easy or it took me only a short while to do this. But how many years of experience went behind you doing this? One way to think about this is intellectual property. And could anybody else with less experience do this as quickly? Mm -hmm. So time is the wrong way to think about value. We discount ourselves when we measure our value through time. This isn't a new concept. And supposedly this is a true story that in the 1900s, a woman came across Pablo Picasso while she was walking the streets of Paris. And she said, hey, are you the famous Picasso? And he said, yes, I am. And she said, would you, would you paint a portrait of mine for a fair price? And he said, of course I will. And he takes out his sketch pad and his materials and within a matter of seconds, draws a portrait of hers. And she says, wow, this is great. Thank you so much. And he says, that'll be 5,000 francs. <laughs> and the woman looks at him gobsmacked and goes, 5,000 francs, that only took you 30 seconds. To which Picasso says, And it took me 30 years 
to paint that in 30 seconds. Oh, wow. That is a great, great story. I, that is an awesome story and, and how true it is to have that expertise. And, you know, I think of the mentors that I have and uh, like if I think of when I talk about, uh, when people ask me about um, my dragon partner investors from CBC, like Kevin O'Leary and, you know, they say, Oh, you know, like, is he who he is? And I'm like, he is a brilliant man. When he, I ask a question and he answers, and he, he doesn't take a long time to answer. He, when he speaks, I know that he has volumes of expertise behind his statement. And he already knows the five-year plan in that answer that he's providing. And, and it's crazy. And it's not like he has to say, I'll come back to you after I do some research. Because his years and years and decades of experience is his research. That is brilliant. That's a great story, Sabina. And... And I, and I love how you started by saying that uh, you hate asking for money. <laughs> and and I, I, I don't think that's a, um, an isolated situation for women entrepreneurs. And we often have to cross that line so that it's not a hobby business, but a business that makes money. And I have to ask you, as a business coach as a coach to all the CEOs, CFOs and COOs out there that you have this incredible wealth of experience behind you. What would you say are the top three must haves for, for that woman, that person who is either considering starting up their business or has been in it for five years and is at a point where they are questioning their own ability what would you say are those three things they need to look deep inside themselves and see if they have? What would they be? Absolutely, Elaine. Number one is resilience. It's, it's a given when you're in business for yourself that you're going to win some business and you're going to lose some business. Mm -hmm. You're going to win over some clients and not others. Resilience is learning to not take that personally mm. and to reframe failure, as I say in my TEDx talk, as the opportunity to expand your definition of success. When this didn't work out, it actually opened some other ways for things to work out even better. What is that? So being resilient is number one. Great. Number two is discernment. This is an ongoing struggle for me, so let me be completely honest here. I'm not perfect in this at all. I love what I do, and I feel like a kid in a candy store. So it's very tempting for me to say yes to everything. However, I also want to be in this business for a long time and not burn out and be there for my children and husband. Mm -hmm. So having the discernment to decide which business is strategic and plays to my core strengths and brand and which business to walk away from is a key skill. Thirdly is courage. Mm -hmm. This is not just big, bold, flashy acts of courage, but everyday courage, small acts of courage each day. I was just looking at a video of two women entrepreneurs who've co-founded a place called Georgetown Cupcakes, which has become so successful in the DC area that they have five other locations now in the US. And they said they feel scared every single day. So what do you do to have that courage every single day in small doses instead of waiting for that big act of heroism. So that's the courage I'm, I'm talking about. Something like 
me asking for cancellation fees from a client who has stood me up three times in a row. Hmm. I, I appreciate each one of those resiliency too. And I loved what you said, like to, to take that opportunity, that failure to be that opportunity to expand your definition of success. So that is a, a, a beautiful quotable. I probably should be on a t-shirt, <laughs> but, um, discernment that is a, a key one because I think as a, a small business and as a, a female entrepreneur you you want to say yes to everything and then that's exhausting because you know if that client does not have matching core values if it doesn't match with the integrity of your business values it's going to be exhausting and it's going to be a fight that probably will drag you down and and I don't know. I think it would be uh, detrimental to a business if you allow every business opportunity to be the yes, to learn that discernment. That's a brilliant one. And I love how you said the last one, that it's not having confidence, but courage and small doses of it that I appreciate. And it is scary. It is absolutely frightful <laughs> to, to be in your own business. And thank you for giving that as a reality check because you know what? I think that any entrepreneur who's listening right now is, is going through this, feeling afraid of taking that leap. There's something, something today that is just a little bit scary. And you know what? That is reality. And take a small dose of it and jump right in. Thank you for sharing that. I, I want to ask you then, um, I just want to expand on this definition of courage and how, how would you build this kind of courage as an entrepreneur? Yeah. Great question, Elaine, because um, uh, I like to break things down into, into simple steps, into a formula. Mm -hmm. and there's three steps to build courage. The first one is to start small. Mm. How many of you listening right now work out? I bet a lot of you do in some form or the other, uh, even though you're busy working moms, maybe the workout is just carrying heavy loads of laundry from the, from the dryer to the bed. But um, I bench press and I'm embarrassed to tell you that the first time I went to the gym, my personal trainer had to hold the empty bar over <laughs> so that it wouldn't come crashing down. On my bed. And I had to work out every week to slowly add weight to that bar. And now I can bench press a whole five pounds. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Courage is no different. Courage is a muscle. Mm. A muscle that grows in size one bench press at a time. So the first step is to start with small acts of courage. Do the little things that make your palms sweat and your ears tingle. And over time, your capacity to practice courage will grow. That, that is a, a beautiful visual analogy that courage is like a muscle and that it, it does take uh, the weight of taking that step of courage to add on every day to build up more courage. I love it. And then it becomes a strong muscle. Can you give us an example of a, a good small step Sure. There's a, a woman, I'll call her Nina. She's a woman I coach. And she looks up to another woman, Alice, in her organization. And Nina would very much like to ask Alan, Alice to be her sponsor. But she's also scared of Alice. 
And after several conversations with me, Nina finally showed her first small act of courage. And this is what she sent to me an email afterwards. She said, uh, the subject of her email was, okay, I finally did it. I just sent the email to Alice. It's been a long week. I'm exhausted. I can't think quite clearly. So I just did it. Smiley face. That was my small moment of courage for the day. Happy Friday. And another smiley face. Hmm. And you know what? Within 20 minutes, even though Nina had sent this email on Friday at 1130 at night, she received a reply from Alice saying that she'd be delighted to talk with her. And contrary to Nina's fears of looking stupid or needy or selfish by making this ask or not receiving a response at all. Then Nina had her meeting with Alice and this is what she texted me after the meeting was done. Done, it went great, smiley face. She offered to be my sponsor before I even asked, hmm. smiley face. Thanks so much for your help prepping. I couldn't have done it without you, Sabina. Smiley face, smiley face, smiley face, smiley face. <laughs> Our next coaching session is going to be on the use of smiley faces. That is great. <laughs> yes. I think smiley faces uh, replace exclamation marks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good substitution. <laughs> yes. My husband often teases me about that. Now, you mentioned that there are three steps. What would the second step be? The second step is to really ask for what you want. And things don't always work out. But if you try them in small steps, you fail small. Another woman that I came, into, came across planned to ask her boss for Fridays off in exchange for part-time pay. And after thinking about small, courageous steps, she decided to take a different tack. She did ask for the day off, but not the reduction in pay. Hmm. So instead, she simply said, I think my work speaks for itself. Again, her boss agreed right away. Wow. And this woman emailed me to say that she was now going to use her Fridays for dating, going to the spa, and volunteering. Wow. So sometimes we hold off asking not just for what we want, but what we even need. Mm. Because we don't want to appear selfish. We don't want to be disappointed by a no. The fact is, if we take care of our needs, we are much better equipped to take care of the needs of others. So even if you're altruistic and want to be there for other people, you have to first seemingly selfishly ask for things for yourself. Here's an example. Many years ago, I dozed off on a flight on my way back from Portugal on a business trip. And I woke up to an oxygen mask actually dangling down in front of me. Oh, boy. The plane dropped down 20,000 feet. In oh, my. And a mechanized voice was asking us to put on our masks before assisting other people. Now, I don't know about you, Elaine, but up till that point, when I'd heard the flight attendants ask us to strap on our own masks before mm -hmm. our kids, I thought, yeah, right. Like, I'm going to help myself before I help my children. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that if we don't strap on our masks quickly, we lose consciousness really fast. Absolutely. I don't remember the exact time, but it that time between not strapping your, on your mask and losing consciousness is not sufficient for us to actually help our kids. So by not doing what we need first, we would be useless to both ourselves and our kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so funny because I, I was recently on an airplane and I took a picture of that uh, card in the pocket in front of the seat <laughs> that says, put your mask on first, 
mom <laughs> so your children can breathe as well exactly and, and I, I appreciate that you're pointing this out as a necessity that you need to ask for what you want but often what you want is is what you you need and uh, and and it, it is a hard challenge to view it as not being selfish but uh, as a reality check to the survival of why we are doing what we are doing. It's for, it's for our children, our family. And if we can't survive, they can't either. Thank you. That was great advice, Sabina. Now, I have to ask, what what is it then that uh, you would include in uh, building this muscle, this yeah. covered muscle? Yeah, so, so the first was starting small. The second is about asking for what you want. And the third is to reframe failure. Failure is unavoidable. So it's important to give yourself a way to think about it that's positive. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, for me, failure is the opportunity to expand your definition of success. I'm looking forward to seeing you wear that on a t-shirt, Elaine. <laughs> but, uh, I started my career at Microsoft and I was in the job for about a year. It was Halloween. I went to dress, uh, went to work dressed, channeling my inner punk. Mm. I had my hair spray painted pink, thick eyeliner, lots of black and silver. I was dressed to have a good time, but that's not what I got. My manager had asked me to write some specific code that he and my peers would review for quality. The review meeting was scheduled for 4 p.m. At 2 p.m., my manager called me to his office and said, I looked at your code ahead of time. We're going to cancel the code review. The quality of your code is not up to par, and going through the review will be just an embarrassment. Hmm. Leaving work early that day, Elaine, was easy. Showing up the next morning was the issue. I was humiliated, shamed. I had failed. And going back to work wasn't going to suddenly make me a better coder. I hated my job, but didn't realize just how much that had showed up in the quality of the work that I produced. I continued to stay in the job because I'd hoped that one day I would get better because I was the only technical woman in the building, because I needed the job to get my green card in the US, and because my family in India was so proud of me. Mm -hmm. How was I gonna face my colleagues knowing that they knew, that I knew, that they knew <laughs> just how much I sucked. I didn't want to get out of bed, but I did, thanks to encouragement from my husband. And I went to talk with my manager. We recognized that coding wasn't going to be my calling, but there were many other technical jobs that were an option. Mm -hmm. We decided on different job responsibilities, and a month later, I had work that kept me challenged and happy. Mm -hmm. You see, failing at coding meant that there were many other ways I could be successful in my field of computer science. Mm -hmm. If I had held tight to succeeding at coding, maybe I would have gotten there. Instead, by falling flat on my face and then getting up, I could move past it to help build great software used by millions of people around the world, win patents in computer science, and manage people. Failing actually helped me expand my definition of what success could look like. Okay, that, that means we have to make the t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, that uh, reality that you went through and to, to have that courage to, to show up at work even after that. 
I have to ask if there is something you could add in because you've given us so much already. What would be that best lesson in business that you have learned either from a mentor or in your own journey that makes you, Sabina, who you are today? Elaine, there's so many lessons. It's hard to give you just one, but to keep it short, I'd say Oscar Wilde's quote that I keep in mind at all times. And the quote goes, be yourself, everyone else is taken. <laughs> I do my best work when I'm firmly grounded in who I am, my values, and my purpose. Absolutely. We don't need another copy of anybody else. And, and Sabina, it's, it's truly a, a lovely honor to know you because you are truly so inspiring. And, uh, and that is who you are. So thank you for being the true version of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to know, in, in all that you do now, now being uh, the creator of Easy Daisies, which is all about helping children and families to be on schedule and establishing good life habits, what would you say are your top two or three habits in maintaining success in your business that you could share with our listeners? I'll choose three. First is to find a way to continue adding value to my clients even when the current engagement is completed. Hmm. For example, I'm a leadership junkie. And in addition to writing for many publications, I also read articles on leadership every single day. Then I make it a point to curate my favorite articles and send them to my current and my ex-clients. Many of my clients will run into me several years later and still thank me for these pointers. Mm. So finding a way to continue to add value even when they are your ex-clients. The second one is a personal one, which is getting enough sleep. Oh, dear. Yes. <laughs> you know, the notion that as entrepreneurs, we have to be sleep warriors and as go-getters, we have to just put in countless hours and boast about the number of hours we shortchanged ourselves in sleep mm. and are still functioning. That's an outdated notion. There's a lot of research now that connects sleep directly to our overall health, our productivity, and our happiness. When I shortchange sleep, I shortchange myself and mm -hmm. I shortchange my work. And I'm snappy with my kids. <laughs> what? <laughs> if I miss a full night's sleep, I actually look for opportunities to take a nap, which of course is another perk of being an entrepreneur. You can do that. And it refreshes my brain. Paradoxically, I also find I can get a lot more done with when I spend actually more time sleeping. One, because my brain is fresher. And two, because more limited time means greater focus. Mm -hmm. Less time spent playing online games. Not that I would ever do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> or snap at your children. <laughs> That's right. I'm perfect. The third is being generous with my colleagues. Almost a quarter of my business, 25% of my business, comes from people who you would traditionally label as my competition. Hmm. I have about a dozen such colleagues with whom I make it a habit to stay in regular contact, send extra work their way, and be available to them, whether it's for a consult or a challenging project they're working on or tips on how to write their next large proposal. In turn, my colleagues are incredibly generous back to me in much the same ways. 
That that is absolutely beautiful because you know it does take a village to not just raise a child, but to to be in business. Business is about people and people relations, and you can't uh, view people as competitors in the way of not helping each other, but to help each other all. When people help each other be successful, everybody is successful. And I love that. That's beautiful. Exactly and and uh, your second one spoke volumes to me, so thank you. But the, not being a sleep warrior, you're so, you're so right. I'm working on that one. Sabina, what, what would you tell your children or, or yourself as an 18-year-old version of yourself? If you could come face-to-face -face and have a cup of tea with the 18-year-old version of Sabina, what advice would you give her? Just one. I just want one piece of advice that you would tell 18-year-old Sabina or your two beautiful children. What would it be? I'll focus that question to advice about career. Okay. <laughs> and the advice I would give them is that you don't have to be monogamous. Now, remember, this is advice about career. <laughs> <laughs> So from a career perspective, jobs will come and go. Even careers will come and go. They will take sharp left turns and sharp right turns and U-turns. So be relentless about focusing on your strengths so you can develop them into superpowers. Don't get hung up on a particular path or a particular plan. As long as you're relentless about your strengths, as they become superpowers, the rest will blossom and follow. That is great advice. I love that. Be your own superhero and not fixed to a, a certain fortune cookie path that uh, you think that is supposed to happen because there's so much greatness out there for, for our children, for us as women entrepreneurs. And that is beautiful. I, I want to end with a lightning round of questions. There's, there was five, but I just asked one, so I'm going to say four. And here we go. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, Sabina. What is a book that you are currently reading right now that you would recommend? For my book club, I'm reading The Little Bookshop in Paris. It's a great story. I love books. I'm obsessed with books. I read four or five at the same time, but I know you're going to limit me to one. So I'll choose that one because it's a great story. Excellent. Thank you. Favorite way to unwind or de-stress? Top of your head. <laughs> oh, this is so hard. Uh, probably something physical. So going for a hike. Excellent. And we are so lucky in Vancouver to have beautiful hikes around us. Absolutely. I, I, was, I, I, I was wondering if you're going to go back to bench pressing, but I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been my second one. <laughs> Favorite time of day and why? 4.30 a.m. What? That's when I wake up. And I feel like the world is my oyster. The day hasn't yet begun. The sun hasn't risen. I'm in this cozy bubble in my PJs and my bunny slippers. The day is full of promise, and I have some time to myself. Love it. Thank you. An actor. This is your last one. An actor could play the life of Sabina. Who would that be? <laughs> Okay, she looks nothing like me, but I love her, Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren. There is grace, poise, and fantastic acting all in one package. <laughs> I couldn't hold a candle to her, but she's the actor I most admire. 
And I'm sure given her acting chops, she could even act like me. <laughs> I think she'd be honored to, to live the life or act the life of Sabina. <laughs> Sabina, I am truly honored that you have been on my, my podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. I know that uh, our listeners have, have uh, written down a bunch of nuggets that you have shared and uh, they'll probably be making t-shirts with your quotes on it as well. <laughs> and I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sabina. Thank you very much, Elaine. It was my pleasure and my honor, and I look forward to hearing from your listeners. And I, I am honored. And when you want to contact Sabina, please do go into our show notes and you will find her website, her contact information, and you can reach her there. And I love to hear from you too. So please do find me on Twitter at chat with Elaine and on, oh, sorry. Yes. Chat with Elaine and then on Facebook at Elaine's Kitchen Table. Sabina, before we leave, if they were to try to find you in a quick way right now, what is the best place for them to come find you? To contact me? Yes. Info at sabinanawaz.com. That's I-N-F-O at S-A-B-I-N-A-N-A-W-A-Z.com. And if they can contact me there and to get a shop, short synopsis of the tips for building courage, they can just email me at that alias and put courage tips in the subject line and they can get that as well. Sabina, I'd be honored to have you on our show again and I'd love to chat about your TEDx talk. Would you be willing to do that? Very clever tip, Elaine. Ask in public. That's awesome. <laughs> of course I would. It would be my pleasure. I would be honored. And... You are amazing, and I, I love listening to you speak. So thank you for being on the show again, Sabina, and thank you to our listeners, and we will talk to you soon. Bye for now. Have a great day. Thank you, Elaine.